Welcome back to Space Castle. It is your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. My name is DT. I'm Alex. And I'm Seth. So, all three of us are nerds, right? Yeah. What? What? We're all nerds, <laughs> yeah. We all we're, we all invest you. ourselves in something <laughs> deeply. It becomes a part of who we are, whether it's like video games or movies or comic books or sports, whatever it is. Like, we're full-grown adults now. We've been doing this entire lives. What I want to know from both of you guys, and I'll share one as well, is what was your very first fandom? I want to know what like little like toddler Seth with his red beard down to his belly button, almost touching his his fucking diaper. <laughs> what was the first thing he was into? What was little baby Alex with fucking biceps that could barely fit into his in his jumper? What was the first thing little baby Alex was into? Hit me with it. What was what was your very first fandom? What was the first thing that like set you on the the path of of nerddom and and geekery? <sighs> uh, okay. I have a feeling Seth and I are going to say the same thing, but before the big one, there's a big one. Uh, there's a big P that's coming up mm. that when I was like six or seven was. Yeah, dude, you and me both. Big P. We got yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, before that, it was Saturday morning cartoons. Like that was the thing. You, you totally. wake up in the morning and it's like I was watching Animaniacs. I was watching Freakazoid. Uh, those were the, the first things that I like truly invested my time into. Uh, we had like the. We had Star Wars on VHS, and my parents were totally cool with uh, with me watching like blaster guns and and lightsabers galore. So um, uh, maybe Star Wars, you could argue that, but I think the biggest thing that I personally got into without influence from any other person besides maybe my my peers and just like culture in general was Pokemon. Pokemon, um, yeah. yeah, you yeah. gotta catch those shit. You gotta catch all of them. That's how the song yeah. goes, right? It was. Mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> exactly the moment that I I became invested. Uh, oh, which is which is bananas, right? So I I was uh, I had heard about Pokemon at this point. There's the anime that's on your your cartoons. There's uh, all of your friends talking about it. They got them trading cards. For me, when I first fully invested, I was in Blockbuster Video. <laughs> and they had For all of our, our younger listeners blockbuster video was a <laughs> uh, an establishment here in america and i think parts of europe as well where you can actually go and rent physical copies of video games and movies and take them home and watch them and then return them kind of like i want to say a library but i don't think any of them will know what a library is either <laughs> so uh oh, google it let's move on <laughs> go ahead alex blockbuster video was a magical place and <laughs> and it, it, they had it for sale. It, this one wasn't a rental. It was a it was a for sale uh, Pokemon Blue uh, for Game Boy, which oh shit yeah. So I had I had first the OG Game Boy, and then I had which was a gift from a relative that just grew out of it, I guess. But then I had the uh, Game Boy Pocket, 
which not a lot of people mm. had. This is a tiny little yeah. silver one. And for the Game Boy Pocket, I bought Pokemon Blue, which was uh, at the time. Well, I shouldn't say I bought. I was like six or seven. And so <laughs> I, my parents bought <laughs> Pokemon Blue for me. It was like 30 bucks, which is the equivalent of like probably $80 now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, your boy had to pick Squirtle because Blastoise was on the cover of Pokemon Blue. And I made it all the way to the Elite Four with a like level ninety Blastoise, and Jesus. my excellent partner in crime, and the only other good Pokemon on my squad, Butterfree. Nice. Oh, because Hyper Beam, Hyper Beam, Sleep yeah. Powder. Honestly, Butterfree is a cheat code for Pokemon Blue and Red. If you uh, <laughs> if you really if you think about it, it's it's like yeah. it's stupid good you get hyper beam you get like psi beam you get sleep powder poison powder you can basically just nickel and dime the elite four all the way through with a single bug type pokemon anyway pokemon that was my first fandom i think like my first proper fandom because i i then went to kinder care uh after school and before school and just like sat there on my game boy playing while people were like yo did you get a butterfree like (laughs) (laughs) I just caught a Pikachu. I was like, you can't get a Pikachu. This isn't Pokemon Yellow Scrub. But you could. <laughs> you could. You, you could do it right right in uh, right in Pewter City, right before you jump in there. You can get a Pikachu. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. If you know how to do it. Um, yeah, dude, I'm in the same boat. My first, I think, proper fandom was Pokemon. Um, we have different origin stories. Obviously, uh, but no blockbuster yeah, involved. It, what? No block. I lived right behind a Hollywood video, actually. Ah, so get go. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude, it was much the same, right? Growing up with Tom and Jerry and, uh, you know, Wiley Coyote and all of that fun shit. I didn't really get into Animaniacs until I was past my Pokemon point. Whoa. Um, yeah, it was like, I don't know, nine or 10 before I first saw Animaniacs, which was a little bit unfortunate, but I think good because I got it a little more. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not something that's necessarily made for like four or five year olds. Cause there's, there's some very, very <laughs> subtle adult humor. <laughs> there's, there's shit when I watched it recently that I was like, yo, <laughs> what the heck? The whole thing is full of that, man. I love that show so much. Um, but a little a little different to to Alex. My first intro was with the trading card game. Mm. Um, I my mom like we were shopping one day. I think we were at a Toys R Us buying a board game. I can't recall exactly what, but um, we saw it like this huge display of of Pokemon cards, and she was like, "Oh, these look kind of fun." And somebody from work had mentioned to it to her. I I remember this because I had this conversation with her. Um, before she passed a while like a decade ago or whatever now um we talked about like what happened to my pokemon cards and how i got into and all that stuff so i remember um talking with her about it she a friend from work had like um kids who were super into it or something told her about it so she she's like hey do you want to try this thing and we bought like a i think the starter pack which had like um, one card up like showing through the the package that you could see was like a really nice card and then like I think three like booster packs um, but basically 
as soon as she was like, oh, look, this looks cool. I was, I was in. It's like, yeah, <laughs> so, that looks fucking awesome, actually. <laughs> so you got into Pokemon because your mom was like, son, you need a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. My, my mom was so cool like that, man. That's she, dope. she, yeah, she was very much the, the artist of the family. So she, she, um, was very, let's say, in, encouraging of my curiosities. Yeah. Where she was like, oh, you took apart our radio. Next time, let me know you want to do that, and I will go to Goodwill and buy a piece of shit radio <laughs> for you to take apart. They cost $4 <laughs> instead of the $50. Exactly. Yeah. That's um, awesome. It was super dope. So she trained card game. I didn't. The, my first Pokemon video game was Yellow. Um, oh, nice. Which I guess I'm learning today that me and Alex have to fight now. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> hey, I liked Pokemon Yellow. I thought it was awesome because you you go through the whole thing and you you basically play the anime. Like yeah, you, you go, yeah, yeah. You 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 gather it Bulbasaur, is Squirtle, and Charmander. But... Um, that being said, I got Yellow as a gift and then played through the whole thing and then bought Pokemon Red with my own allowance money because I thought it was a different game. Mm-hmm. I was a dumb child. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that Pokemon red is where, is where my nostalgia brain is like, this is, I, my, my video game remembrance of Pokemon is from red, not yellow, even though yellow was first for me. Yeah. Um, cause that's, I fucking, I collected all the Pokemon. That's where I learned about the missing no glitch, all of that stuff. Um, oh, the missing no glitch. Yeah, man. Cinnabar I, Island. I remember this. And I had a, I, I bought a clear purple Game Boy Color to play it on. Classic. Like specifically. Classic. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I need like a, I'm tired of the the little flip out arm LED light yeah. thing that uh. plugs into the side. <laughs> oh, so I got yeah. one with a backlight. Um, they had those, some of them, they, uh, some clever manufacturers yeah. had some with like magnifiers on yeah yeah too, that's so that's right like the, squint so much the pokemon color i got had like the little slide over the t- over the screen like side lighting thing yeah um because i was so fucking tired of it i it, i saved up for so long for that thing but i bought it specifically so i could keep playing pokemon red like on road trips and shit easily i remember so well it's it's funny like how many like, my parents recognized at the time they're like this is going to be a collectible thing it's one of those beanie baby type mm-hmm. deals yeah so I I had my first ever booster pack just like a flat booster pack not nothing special about it and it had Caterpie on the front I remember because it was it was just like wild that I I had cracked open this booster pack uh got my first ever one right I'm, i remember this vividly it's like the harry potter thing where like i can mark my life by these various moments <laughs> but but i got my first ever pokemon booster pack and i inside that the hollow you get one inside your your pack of like what nine cards or mm-hmm. something right and my first ever holographic card was blastoise Fuck no off. shit that's like which is which magic. is behind me right now on, on the bookshelf probably worth a few hundred dollars yeah I've I've been meaning to to check out uh, my my dad has several like safes strewn about his his house that we've accumulated over the years for like tax documents or whatever right you know adult for the shit. apocalypse yeah. yeah and heroin and I'm ninety percent <laughs> sure my binder full of Pokemon cards which are triple of the entire one fifty one I had all I had three of them for every card damn um, I think. I think we still have it, and I think it's still in one of his safes. And I've been meaning to like look because fuck, 
Dude, if you got some shadowless Sha- Charizard up oh. in there, that's you're talking about half a million dollars, man. You're t- I'm not kidding. You're half a million dollars these days. <laughs> First edition Hollow Charizard. I had Brock's Charizard, um, which was like the weird Japanese one at the time. I had these. I have the special edition, like super limited Aztec, um, Mew card. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those? I, I had two of those. Yeah. I was like, I that Pokemon absolutely started my collector's obsession and now i have hundreds of pins and every edition of books that i love and like <laughs> alternative covers to the comic book series that i i subscribe to yeah. like it just it, gets in your brain doesn't it yeah it's completely <laughs> fucked up my whole life really <laughs> in the best way possible yeah. <laughs> okay we've been talking about pokemon for a long time dt tell us about your fandom <laughs> i'm fully invested in this honestly like i'm like seth you need to go to your dad's house and like fucking pull up those cards because those things have never been more valuable than they are right now like there's been like a huge fucking resurgence of like people going ape shit for these cards like and i really want to and i like that's the thing is I I remember having triplicates and putting them in binders and squirreling it away separate from my regular like playing deck. Yeah. Because I like that was it was I don't know maybe early two thousands at that point where I was like okay people care about the shit and I have a full collection like I'm gonna save these things. Yeah. God, I hope I still have. You them. need to go so take chokes. a look because we can just stop podcasting and quit our day jobs and probably all fucking retire <laughs> on that shit if you're willing to yeah. be generous. <laughs> you can. Uh... Yeah, you could totally you could totally set us up and also you could probably you didn't you could create a separate YouTube channel <laughs> and become an influencer just on the fact like look look at my binder. Wham. I might be able to afford like a a one bedroom, one bath house in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. You're gonna be cutting it close. It's gonna be a stretch. I'll be I'll be square up with you. <laughs> you don't wanna spend all of that money at once. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Like I said, there's like several safes. We have like large, a couple large ones that my dad has for like his firearms and then for like other shit. And then we have like smaller, like, I don't know, like file cabinet drawer sized safes, you know, Mm -hmm. in a couple of places, like maybe storage units and stuff too. Like, I don't know. It's going to take some digging, but I can't imagine that they would have been gotten rid of. So, yeah, I know it wasn't there for the, uh, the apocalypse episode because of uh baby. But uh, if I, if the apocalypse were to go down, I'm going to Seth's dad's house. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he's got the, he's, he's got the collateral I need, which is, which are those minty Charizards. Yeah, dude. Instead of like bottle caps, like in fallout, like the currency will be fucking Pokemon <laughs> cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many water energy cards you need for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> The, the Gen Z currency is Pokemon <laughs> cards these days. Awesome. DT, tell us about your fandom, man. Tell us. Yeah. Okay. My fandom came a little bit earlier than your guys' surprise because I'm apparently the fucking grandpa of this, this podcast. <laughs> uh, my very first fandom. Uh, I was born in 1983. My fandom was born in 1985. It is a cartoon series that also spawned uh, action figures, comic books, a couple of not great video games way back in the day. Uh, actually had a reboot back in 2011, which is fantastic. It is motherfucking Thundercats. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, so 1985, uh, little toddler DT saw this very this cartoon which featured a bunch of like humanoid anthropomorphic lions and tigers and panth- panthers and cheetahs and shit. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah, right, right? <laughs> and I immediately fell in love. Uh, the animation was okay. 
Uh, the voice acting was <laughs> not okay. Um, so legendary voice actors now. Um, but yeah, it was. It's a bunch of cats who look like people who are basically half naked in the first episode, and their planet is about to implode and explode, and they have to escape. So the group of them get together, and they're like the last soul survivors, kind of like a Superman type of situation where their planet is doomed, but they make it out, and they're traveling through space. They're in a hypersleep, and uh, they crash land on what is called Third Earth, which uh, canonically is actually supposed to be our Earth, but like the third like revision of that Earth, like it's gone through like horrible cataclysmic events. So it's hmm. our Earth, but it's like the third surviving iteration of that. Um, they crash land, and uh, their arch nemesis, the mutants from another planet, show up and they wage war. And the big, huge, um, like inciting factor is the fact that this ancient being called Mumra lives in a pyramid on Earth. And he's causing all kinds of fucking trouble because he wants the Eye of Thundera, which is the source of the Thundercats' power. It's a gem that is inset into the hilt of Lionel's uh, sword, which by rights, um, by ownership of it, he can claim the, 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 like, the kingship of all the Thundercats. If that sounds convoluted, if it sounds like there's a whole lot fucking going on, there was there was a whole lot going on for like a little fucking little kids Saturday morning cartoon series. It, it was it was pretty fucking dense. It's nuts. It was weird as shit. It was really I'm not even gonna lie. It was really fucking dopey too. But yeah. it was the 80s. Like it had rock and fucking music. Uh, the animation, like intro for the animation, the animation for the intro oh, was just man. insanely fucking good. The rest of the show was like two frames per second type of shit. Like really really cheaply <laughs> oh, mass produced. Um, but dude, like the fucking action figures were dope as shit. Um, the, 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 I mean, I was just running around the house as a little kid, just screaming thunder cat's hoe and like singing the, the fucking theme song, which is iconic now. But, uh, what fueled that fandom for me, which, you know, oddly enough, it's kind of like a, like a shared thing for all of us is collecting the action figures. So mm. marketing mm. gurus back in the eighties and nineties really knew what the fuck they were doing because they got us all hooked on this shit like fucking like like crack cocaine. It's true. Well, that's why Disney's like, oh, I know what we should do: action figures for anything that comes yeah. out yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Like, can we make a plushie out of this? No. All right. Well, it's not going to be something we've. We support. <laughs> no. Well, that's <laughs> actually incorrect. Do it anyways. <laughs> right. <laughs> do it anyway. But the action figures, man, like. Yeah. They're, they're I had I had Lionel action figures. Yeah. I had all of them. So my f- most favorite cherished Christmas memory ever is getting the action figure of Panthro when I was like a little toddler. Because I had the Thunder Tank, and I love the Thunder Tank, but you can't have the fucking Thunder Tank without Panthro to drive it. Like, that was his <laughs> fucking thing. Like, he was the mechanic. He piloted the Thunder Tank, and he was like the oldest, wisest of uh, the, the Thundercats, and he was my favorite. But that shit was so fucking hard to find for whatever reason. Like... Anytime you try and collect something, whether it's action figures or baseball cards or something, there's always that white whale, like that one that for yeah. whatever reason is just scarce, like not as like uh, produces yeah. the others. And for me, like I'm fucking three years old and I'm like, I got to get that fucking panther. Like I'm obsessed with this goddamn panther action figure at the age of three. And my parents are like, like, son, it's, it's really hard to find. Like there's not enough of them out there. Like we're just... We're sorry. We'll get it for you as soon as we can find it, but don't don't expect it for this Christmas. And they were liars because it was under the fucking Christmas tree. <laughs> it's still today. Like that is my favorite Christmas memory was finding that goddamn panther under the tree, flipping out, ripping it open, and immediately putting him in that thunder tank like I was a goddamn fucking champion, and running that thing back and forth in the carpet for the rest of the day. It was great. 
Isn't well how much that like defines your childhoods? So, like, <laughs> yeah, it's so cool that like it, that's what makes me feel like you know the the kids are gonna be all right is because I remember those defining moments and then talking to my parents about them as an adult, they were like, yeah, we just fucking wanted you to stop talking. So we got your thing. <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. Well, that was incredibly formative to me. And I turned out okay, I guess. Cause you were just busy. You had work shit to do or something. Right. It was like, yeah, I, the kids are going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The kids are all the right. Kids are all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did. Uh, we, for my, I think it was my ninth birthday party. The Pokemon first movie came out. I think it was like two thousand. Dude, Pokemon two thousand. Two thousand. Okay, eighth birthday. Sorry, Pokemon two thousand is actually legitimately a good film. And maybe we should b- break it down on another episode. But it's like, <laughs> I I watched it a couple of years back again in in a nostalgia haze, and it was like, oh man, I remember this film being like so good. It's gonna be one of those like excellent in my memory but it's a bad film actually it's actually like it's a pretty good film it was i there were some wild ones in college but like the most memorable birthday party that i had like all of my friends we went to a heritage square out in golden uh, where they have the alpine slide and whatever but there's this arcade yeah so we played laser tag and then there was an arcade where we played uh why am i forgetting the name right now like legends legacy the gauntlet dark legacy gauntlet thank you good man Oh, dude, I spent so much time in Gauntlet Dark Legacy. It was the cabinet version of Gauntlet. We played Gauntlet all day, and then it was time we went to the movies. Everybody got the promotional card, so you either got Articuno, Zapdos, or Moltres. Oh, the legendaries, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and then you got to see the movie, and you got to walk out and like see what uh, card that you got. And it was, I don't know, I just, it, it's like I said, it's like one of those, like, hallmark things thundercats i i remember via the cartoons i mentioned at the beginning of the, of this whole thing because it was in syndication i think at the time that i started to uh to like get into the saturday morning cartoons but yeah mm-hmm. I, yeah like i was fully familiar with thundercats just because of that and it, i remember it being like oh cool swords <laughs> yeah swords and lasers and tanks and like castles and yeah it, it was just it was fucking yeah. dope uh, they actually rebooted it. Cartoon Network did, like I said, back in 2011. And it's so fucking good. So Cartoon Network had this really bad uh, habit of just taking shows they didn't know what to do with and moving around the time slot so it could never really fully get settled. And the show, the remake of Thundercats, only lasted a season. But that one season is so fucking good that it's absolutely criminal that it wasn't allowed to continue. But it just it never found viewership because... It just couldn't like nobody knew when or how to watch it. Even me, I was like super, super psyched to, to watch the reboot. And I, I, I caught the first couple of episodes because they aired the first two episodes. It's like a mini TV movie event type thing. And I think I made it through like five or six episodes where I just couldn't keep track of when it was airing. So I eventually left mm. it. Seth, however, in his absolute fucking generosity and lifelong friendship which i'll cherish forever <laughs> was able to actually get me the first season of thundercats reboot 2011 hey. and i'm going through the first season and finishing it for the first time and it is so fucking good and it makes me so sad that i know it's going to end abruptly and it's not going to be satisfying but the episodes are so true to the original spirit and they, they take all the really obscure weird goofy shit from the 80s cartoon that was just super outlandish and they make it work in like a modern way with all this this 
storytelling and this reworking of, of everything. And it's excellent. Ah, uh, I want to go back and find all the action figures for the 2011 reboot on Amazon <laughs> and buy them all up and like get reinvested in the franchise all over again. Cause it's so fucking nostalgic while also something like new and really good at the same time. It's cartoon network. Bring that shit back, please do it right now. Just, just do it. DT is out here waiting for the live action Thundercats. They are actually, it's not going to be live action, but they're going to be making a movie now. Um, there's actually just recently announced, I forget who's going to be directing and writing it. It's actually coming. Uh, apparently, it's going to be akin to uh, the He-Man reboot that Kevin Smith is show running right now for Netflix, where it's going to be Interesting. a modernized take on it, but very much just like a direct sequel of the original series, the original like 1985 cartoon. I'm skeptical because, like I said, the 1985 cartoon is really fucking weird and silly and goofy and not not super fantastic by today's standards, but... I hope the movie does it justice, and I hope they just do a good job with it, because, I don't know, I fucking love Thundercats. Look, Anything man, that's more Thundercats is okay with me. Except for Thundercats Ho. Thundercats Ho was fucking trash. That was awful. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was that was the Teen Titans go of... Yeah. yeah. Not good at all. No. Um. Well, at least now I know what I'm going to do for your birthday, so... Fucking A. All right. Hey, uh, Panther was my favorite, just so you know. He's always been my favorite. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, yeah. I think we're receiving a transmission here from Deep Space. Seth, open this one up. Crack it open for us, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Decoded. Got it. Um, <laughs> this this uh, Deep Space exploration I have found, um, one of... It's kind of a throwback, actually. It's one of my favorite um, YouTube channels. Again, sticking with the YouTube train. Surprise. It is now dead. They've closed the channel. Uh, well, they haven't closed the channel, but they've stopped making videos a couple of years ago now. Um, it's in the archive. <laughs> this one's in the archive, and this one is, is still worth watching. It's called Hot Pepper Gaming, which hmm. I'm not sure if either of you have heard of them. Nope. Brand new. They are a group of people that sometimes pull in other you know, celebrities, other YouTubers and stuff. Their last video, I think, was like four years ago. But what they do is get on camera, somebody eats a very hot pepper, and then tries to review a game. So they do, (laughs) like, legitimate game reviews for, like, Stardew Valley and, and, you know, Disney Infinity and Skyrim and uh, Dark Souls and things like that. Um, But they just chomp down on a habanero ghost pepper or something and then try to give review of it while they and they're not allowed to like do kleenexes or napkins or milk or anything until they're done with the review um yeah so there's does does hot ones pay them royalties like they they might because this this channel definitely ended before hot ones like was really a thing um but so they have amazing shit like um matt mercer um the famous voice actor in DM comes on there, I think two or three separate times to review the Dark Souls games. Oh, oh man. Yeah, he actually plays Tigra in the uh, 2011 remake of Thundercats. Oddly enough, he does. Hey, because it's fucking Matt Mercer. Yeah, he's all over the place. Overwatch, um, Thundercats, whatever it is. He's yeah. great, man. But they do a lot of a lot of people like that where like, you know, famous YouTubers or, or B, B-level like voice actors, DMs, stuff like that. Um, but there's a core group of people, uh, three or four of them, that show up a couple of times, and they're just so funny. Every time I see, like, I, I'll come back to a hot pepper gaming video every once in a while, and it's just so fucking funny every time. It's like I don't need to see another <laughs> review of Stardew Valley, 
but I'm going to watch it again because it's so fucking good. Um, It's great, man. If you want to see like Matt Mercer, he chomps down on a fucking, um, a ghost pepper, eats that thing and just like, for me, that was the moment where I knew Matt Mercer was a real, a true professional because he's face is just melting off like snot tears. He can barely like move his face anymore, but his, review is like you can tell he's like a a proper professional because he's like i'm i might literally die today but this review is happening (laughs) you can tell he's always got enthusiasm if you watch him in like critical role or something even from the very first episodes he just like fully invested in whatever he is a joy yeah he's a gem for sure mercer's an absolute gem of a human um yes watch hot pepper gaming especially like if you're curious of like if you want a really a truly funny review of like aliens resurrection or something (laughs) hot pepper gaming is where it's at it's so good yeah do it hot pepper gaming it's like i said it's a dead channel they stopped making videos four years ago probably for health reasons somebody developed like a heart murmur yeah (laughs) (laughs) liability (laughs) maybe (laughs) liability issues they're just like we have to we have to cut this out we don't deal with the lawyer fees (laughs) it has proper old youtube vibes too because it's just like they just plop down in front of like a folding table with a, yes. a wall in the background and eat a hot pepper and talk to a camera. And it's so good. Yeah, it's, Love it's great. that. Yeah. Love the OG YouTube and they, vibes. They rank it out of hot peppers. So it's like, you know, four out of five hot peppers. And as they go on, most of the time, like they eat a, uh, they rank the game and then they rank the pepper. And it's like, <laughs> I'll, I rank... I don't know. I rank uh, Neko Itsumi four out of five hot peppers because I spent too much time playing it. And I rate this uh, ghost pepper I just ate as uh, like a a, a negative infinity hot peppers. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a really funny channel. It's a really funny concept. And it's the the people are just genuinely hilarious. Uh, A fuck you out of, I think it's five. A fuck you out of five is like not an uncommon answer. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. It's great. Do recommend. Check it out. And I'm sure I'll post videos of them every once in a while in our Discord channel or something. But uh, every time one will like randomly pop up on my feed, if I'm like looking for an old game to play or something, I watch it and I love it every time. That's awesome. Right on. How long did it go for? Is it something I can like binge or like watch before bed or something like that? Definitely you can binge. They went for... um, the videos are generally like three to five-ish minutes. Sure, yeah. Um, I don't want them to suffer any more yeah. than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, they made videos for years. Um, like probably five or six years worth of videos. So like ah, lots YouTube of... YouTube Basically, if they're... Basically any old game that came out before like 2016 or 2017, Hot Pepper Gaming has done a review on if it's any good. Like um, Matt Mercer does one on Bloodborne. Um you know, Heroes of the Storm, Overwatch, you know, Undertale. There's lots of... Oh, he does you know, Overwatch. That's great. That's <laughs> rad. Yeah, there's uh, there's lots of, of good shit, man. Fallout 4, Castle Crashers. Um, and they bring in lots of, like, like YouTubers as their, as their people. So it's always, nice. it's always a blast. Awesome. Hot Pepper Gaming. Yeah, Hot Pepper Gaming is fun, it. man. Hell yeah, Scope dude. Scope it yeah. out. Uh, we have a uh, listener question, don't we? I hope so. We usually have one every week. I think so. Yeah. Like historically, we've had one, right? <laughs> we do. I, I've got that actually. You want me to throw it out there? Throw it out there yeah, for you guys. Yeah, it's it's in the I, chamber. Yeah, do, Just rip it, man. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, this one comes from Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, Seth, before we get started, do you want to tell the people how they can send in their own questions? Yeah, man. Um, Hit us up. Send us your favorite hot pepper gaming review. <laughs> yeah. At, <laughs> on Twitter at Space Castle Pod. Or you can send us a long form review if you want to do your own review of a game and send it to us for some reason <laughs> at um, <laughs> Space Castle Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Please do. Please yes, do. I would actually we love I it. would deeply, deeply love that. Bite bite into a real good spicy <laughs> yeah. scotch bonnet. And I'm then drooling and snotting on my keyboard as I type this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then rate the pepper at the end of the email as like a sign off. Yeah. That's important. It yeah. is important. And, you know, rate and review us on your, your various podcast apps. Yes. Yo, <laughs> dude, please rate and review us. We've been doing this for a little while now. We got a few listeners. If you would, it would help us out immensely. And it would just boost our egos and make us feel like kings. I do. I do need an ego boost. Spent. It's been, it's been no, a long 18 no, months. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a long 18 months. Okay, so we got this question from Rebecca. Again, thank you, Rebecca. And the question is, which is better, a reboot or a remake? Oh, this is a good question. Yeah, let's establish the difference between the two before we go yes. for, forward. So good, good plan. let's make sure we're all in consensus here. And I make sure, hopefully we're you know approaching this the same way Rebecca would as well. A reboot is kind of, for example, what they've been doing with the Spider-Man franchise where it's... They're rebooting everything. Like it's totally different characters, uh, especially with the uh, the brand new Marvel franchise, where they just kind of not went ahead with redoing the whole Uncle Ben thing. It's a reimagining of the entire universe, like from top to bottom, uh, much like the the Thundercats remake. This is all everything is coming together thematically for this episode. It's like fucking magic. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> uh, the Thundercats remake in 2011 was a complete reimagining. It's got the same characters and very, 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 very loosely the same premise. But everything has been reconstructed and modernized, and it's being told from an entirely different angle. A remake is when you take an existing property like, I don't know, like Disney's Beauty and the Beast, which actually was the first animated movie to ever win the Oscar for Best Picture. And you just retell the whole fucking thing, like almost dialogue word for word, just so you can, you know, just do it. Just so you can like update update the visual effects or make it live action or whatever. Exactly. But it's essentially the exact same story being retold just from a slightly different angle as opposed to a complete reimagining. I don't think we're going to have much dissension here. I don't know. Rebecca teed us up and this is as softball as lobbed my direction. I'm ready to wind up and crack it out of it. All right, babe. It's a fucking reboot. Reboot. Uh, Give me a reboot. Give me something new. Um, I'm going to take the traditionally engineer scientist point of view and say that it depends. (laughs) <laughs> mm, yeah all right all well right. I, here, here's my standpoint give me something new like i want i disagree. every now and then okay you've you've got to have a perfectly written story which uh happens very very rarely mm-hmm. and the word perfect a lot of people have a problem with so let me let me revise that and say you have to have a very well written story in order for it to justify a remake and even then i want something new because if it was so well written in the first place, there's no reason for you to revisit it and make it new again. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you there. Um, I think that reboots... Here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Reboots... Tell me the thing. ...are fucking tired. I am so just tired of 
rebooted franchises. Yeah, but the remake thing is getting really old now too. Remakes it's mostly Disney doing it, but yeah. Are are Disney thing. Remakes don't happen as often and when they do they're harder to justify. Um which means the people making them have to have one a very good reason to do it besides just money. Um two they have to be done to a higher standard than the reboot because people want more new things. So reboots are easy to do, which is why we have a thousand of them. Remakes are much harder, which means they have a higher like floor of proficiency available, which is why Disney is one of the only people that are making remakes of their old movies because they're very, very difficult to do and very difficult to do well and hard for people to enjoy all of the stuff. So, remakes tend to be of a higher quality in my opinion um than reboots which reboots have such a nasty habit of just feeling like a cash grab mm. it's like yeah you didn't need to redo we don't need another gi joe franchise reboot which is happening next year we fucking don't need it i don't want it it's dumb why bother we have so yeah. many of those it's a well that one's Snake Eyes, right? So it's like a new character yeah. profile. Right. But that's you the get, whole thing. It's like uh, it is a it's a new look or a new character or a new thing, but why? Here's my I'm gonna come back at you with this. Uh, and we we talked about it a little bit in the previous episode, but he, uh, I'm I'm gonna play the studio executive this time. You're the director. And I'm gonna tell you <laughs> Okay, you fuck have, off, first of all. You have second you, of all <laughs> You have the well, do you want your do you want your job? Uh, <laughs> do you, <laughs> you have the IP of the Godfather. And uh, you now either have to reboot it or re- remake it. Um, are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna stick with the same story? It's it's classically known as one of the best films ever made. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna reboot it? Are you gonna slap Taron Edgerton or Timothy Timothy yeah. Chalamet in there well, and just remake it from from the, the ground up? And Al Pacino can make a cameo sometime. This in the is why we have thousands of them because studio executives are like, we have an excellent, wonderful IP that we can make more money off of. Here's a director, make a thing, and you can't remake the godfather you, you have didn't to you didn't uh you didn't oh yeah see here you answered the question and right you're, you're siding with me this time no i'm not you have to do it that <laughs> doesn't mean that it's good i didn't say it needed to be good I need, exactly it needs it needs to make money i'm a studio that's, executive that's the right. point that i'm yeah. making that reboots suck <laughs> because they're cash grabs most of the time um I, Give me uh, an example. Give me. Can you can you think of a good? I, I'm maybe counter to my point here, but can you think of a good reboot, revitalization of a of an IP that uh, that happened that wasn't a remake? Because I I don't like watching remakes. I don't yeah. want to see the same shit with fancier. I don't I don't like remakes either, generally. But I do think that they're in on average in general better than reboots but i do have some examples right some good reboots are like the dark knight series that's fair all of the previous batmans were fucking hot garbage but dark knight was excellent well that was uh, worthwhile of a reboot the story was worth telling blah 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 okay so let's let's backtrack there because we're going to upset some people the joel schumacher movies i do not like batman forever and batman and robin are not good movies Holy I, rusted metal, Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, the Tim Burton movies, I, I'm not a fan of the first one just because of the the liberties they took with the character of Batman. I've said this multiple times in this podcast, Batman doesn't fucking kill. And he, he gleefully doesn't? and almost joyfully kills all through the, the, the first Batman movie. Batman Returns, I have some of the same issues. However, 
that is a great fucking movie. You're right. You got Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. You've got Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Christopher Walken and Christopher Walken it all up, up and down the whole fucking movie. <laughs> it's great. I, I have such a fondness for those films, but they are not good movies. No, Batman Returns is a good movie. Uh, okay, we can. It's good. We can maybe talk about this another time. My point. My point is, the Dark Knight trilogy is a good and worthwhile reboot yes. of the Batman series. One hundred percent. I think you you want to remake if the story is good enough, but it just wasn't executed properly. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I want to see a reboot of movies made like couple years ago even like i want to see a new take on uh you know the star wars sequels <laughs> no you want a remake of the star wars no at that point you'd have to just do a reboot i don't want a shot for shot remake of the star wars sequels i want a complete well, and utter reboot the remakes aren't generally shot for shot they are more same story just told better and newer but I hate the fucking story, so reboot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. we know. <laughs> <laughs> guys, every time that you guys, anytime there's a there's a discussion about Star Wars, I have to take a shot. Wow. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Just bring it up in every episode. Here we are yet again. We drunk by two o'clock. Anyway, I'm. I you, you hear this conversation come up a lot with like very well known IP, like. You get your Harry Potter and your Lord of the Rings and everybody throws those into the ring. Like, what? how would you remake this? I don't... I mean, like, Lord of the Rings crushed it. They did really mm-hmm. well interpreting the books. I think that the way that they tackled Return of the King was the perfect way to handle it for film. Yeah. Because it's wildly different from the books, but they still captured the spirit and essence there. Mm-hmm. So do you remake the Lord of the Rings with a new cast? You, well, it's only been 20 years, but... You get my point, right? Like, yeah. You people have already been talking about what what will happen when they remake Harry Potter. Like this is nuts. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a few paragons like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and stuff that uh, Godfather is another one that will. Everybody talks about what to do about remaking them because they're so, like, impossible to imagine a remake of. Yeah. I think there's a few of those those pinnacle points that just won't be remade. I hope at least not for another, you know, 50 or hundred years, right? Like a couple of generations go by. Like that's why you haven't seen a remake of like Casablanca because it would be so, yeah, it would be pointless to try. Whereas a remake of Beauty and the Beast is another one that would be kind of pointless to try, except if you make it live action, which has merits, it turns it from, you know, you're a movie to uh, a stage play effectively. Right. And that is interesting, but you can't go the other way. I will say though, that, that there is a hill that we have crested and gone over in the way of special effects that warrants remakes Hmm. to be made. I still stand in the reboot camp. I want new stories, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I want to see, I, I would lose my shit if there was a master and commander remake like if there was a revitalization of that i disagree because i think that that movie is excellent as on its own i agree i love that movie i think it's great i think it's fantastic i I will i will still watch it but my my point is that there we've crossed a threshold i saw the trailer for the heart of the sea and 
I was like, wow, we've we've crossed a threshold here because uh, spacefaring. Here we are. We're spacefaring. (laughs) Seafaring movies benefit wildly from better CGI, better direction, etc. Can I can you match Russell Crowe's performance? I don't know. Probably not. Because it was excellent. I love that movie, but it's still one that I would like to see revisited. I don't think you want a reboot or remake. I think you want like a special edition of where they did what they did with Star Wars, but not in a shitty way, where they go back and they redo the special effects and they update everything, but they maintain the exact same film, just make it look better. Yeah, you want a remastering like they do in f- for like Halo Anniversary and shit. Yeah, but not shitty. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You can't, you can't replace Paul Bettany, but like still, I... I'd still enjoy seeing a remake of I'd, I'd enjoy the remake. I would. Let me ask you this. How do you guys feel about the upcoming Dune? I'm hyped. Hype. Hype levels are woo up it's a, here. It's a but remake. Yeah. But that is, that is a good example. Hopefully Denny Villeneuve do not let me down. I have absolute <laughs> full confidence in anything Denny will do because yeah. one, He's taken a lot of time in that. It, it, we don't have to get into it. I, Dune is a remake, and I think that it is one that deserves a remake, even though the original Dune, let alone Jodorowsky's Dune, which would have been amazing. Um, the original Dune that did come out in film was... Um, lacking. It's David Lynch. It's got its yeah, followers. It's a cult let's, classic, let's but it is, it is lacking. It's a cult classic, yeah. It's yeah. Lynch. Yeah, I mean, it's Lynch, so, so it's going to have followers, you know? deserving of a remake not a reboot but why the 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 text the frank herbert source material is thick yes with three c's <laughs> thick seems like an understatement to be T-H-I-C-C. honest i c c yeah it's a big it's fucking book huge and so there's plenty of material to work with there but i i don't care denis villeneuve could could say i'm i all right he could my point is i will watch anything that the guy directs yeah for sure. Okay. He's the best, in my opinion, yeah. the best working director. Too. I full, yeah. full agree. And I would argue he's one of the best directors of all time, but we can talk about that later. Let me throw this argument out there. I am in favor, very, very loosely, of a remake if it, it is in pursuit of a definitive version of the, the telling of the story on film. Hmm. Not a cash grab, not like Disney, oh, we're going to remake Aladdin, we're going to have Guy Ritchie just you know, do a quick payday, and we're going to cast Will Smith as the genie, we're just going to try and make money on this. No, because you're not looking at the original animated classic and thinking, oh, you know what, we can actually maybe make this better. We can do yeah. the definitive telling of this story. That wasn't what it was. It was like, eh, let's just make some money. We'll, we'll slap this shit together. Yeah, if, if you're making a, a remake of a film, and it is in pursuit of making the definitive version of that movie and in a respectful way towards what came before it, which Denny Villeneuve is doing with Dune. Like, there's no disrespect yep. to the David Lynch. He's, he's not going back and shitting on the David Lynch movie. He's going back and trying to, and I think he's hopefully going to succeed, making the definitive version of that story on film. Yep. Otherwise, I am fully in Alex's camp where if you're just doing it for money, fuck you. Tell me a different story in, an, in a recognizable IP. I want that familiarity, but give me something brand new that I've never seen before and make me fall in love with that IP all over again. Don't just don't just keep feeding me the same fucking thing over and over again. That's boring. Fuck you. I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. That's why Into the Spider-Verse was so damn good. Right? 
Yeah, and it's why uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is not that good. And it's why The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 are not fucking good at all. Man, DT, I can't wait for you to flip-flop on that again, the the Homecoming uh, Spider-Man, because it's it's like back and forth, back and forth, and you're, you're, every time you say like what your reasoning is, I'm like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> uh, I know. I just... It's not horrible. I, I just don't love what they did with the character of Spider-Man. Um, that's a, maybe that's a whole other episode. I don't know if it's worth an entire episode. I do but, think it's worth talking about, though. But I think it, the Spider-Man franchise in general is a really good example of why reboots are bad. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they tried to do Amazing Spider-Man with, with Andrew Garfield, and it was just very lazy. They were literally just trying to retain the rights. Terribly written. Even Sally Field, who plays Aunt May, is like, yeah, these movies are fucking trash she was so angry at how badly they turned out um but they were just they weren't good movies it was just like we got to keep making spider-man movies because spider-man movies keep making money so let's let's do another spider-man movie real quick let's go yep. hurry up and then marvel got the rights to spider-man they're like okay we're marvel we got fucking spider-man back let's do some good shit with it and they brought him back in civil war and it was great i love that they, they nailed the character pitch perfect um tom holland came on and it was they dropped him in the middle of this big bombastic movie, and he was just nailing the pitch and tone of Peter Parker and Spider-Man perfectly. It was great. And then they went back and they almost retconned the character again for like a fourth time with Homecoming. They made him like bumbling and silly and like not sure of himself and like funny in all the wrong ways. And it was just they had to play the teenager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they, they you could have done that without having to go back and essentially rewrite the character again. Yeah. But yeah, I do I think just... that Tom Holland Spider-Man is like the the best version of Peter Parker Spider-Man that we've gotten on film. Arguably. Um, sure. I agree. Ar- I agree arguably with for that. sure. But... I agree with that. He, But you don't go through the traumatic event. We're going to end up, this is going to be a Spider-Man podcast. We, we don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't go through the shit that Peter Parker does and you, you're still like a bumbling teenager. Yeah, like exactly. He's, he's six months on the job and the part of homecoming. He's a superhero. You, 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 yes, you want to show that he's like still human and has his, teenage phase but he's mm-hmm. like you said he's not he's not a bumbling student right it's one of the only things i actually liked about the amazing spider-man it they made him too cool yeah. uh, peter parker was like they made him more snarky and sarcastic and like yeah he's a cool skater kid and just didn't give a shit about anything else and he wasn't humble he was a hipster but he wasn't humble yeah he, he just like yeah all right that peter parker had been through some shit but he was he was still he was too cool yeah yeah I think Spider-Man movies are why I think reboots are so tired for me because that is like some of the the most common reboots these days and also the most like bad. Like every time a new Spider-Man movie is announced or rebooted or whatever, I'm just tired of it. If you could reboot or remake any Marvel movie, what would you pick? Oh God, that's... A loaded question. Uh, I, I would totally go back and, re- and reboot the Spider-Man franchise within the hmm. MCU completely because I'm just not satisfied with how it played out. They just they they cut too many corners when they shouldn't have cut corners, and they did it out of goodwill because the two things people always say is like, how many fucking times do we have to see Uncle Ben get shot and killed in a Spider-Man movie? Mm-hmm. How many times do we have to see Bruce and Martha Wayne get shot and killed in a Batman movie? Yeah. But when you're doing a reboot, there are certain cornerstones that you just you have to include out of a certain level of obligation because it establishes that character. It grounds them within the universe they exist in, and it creates the motivation. Peter Parker's motivation in the MCU, I absolutely fucking hate, is impressing Tony Stark and trying to become an Avenger and, and also trying to win the girl. It's It doesn't 
All, none of his motivation stems from what happened with Ben Parker and losing his uncle and the lessons he learned from him. Like the character is fundamentally flawed and broken from the, the get go because we just don't have that foundation. And it's tedious to have to go back and do it again for what, a third time, a fourth time. Too but many. you, you got to fucking do it because otherwise like your Spider-Man is just swinging in the ether. No, no pun intended. Like he's just floating around like this. Yeah. There's no, there's no heart to the character and his heart is Ben Parker. You got to have it. It sucks, but you got to have it. Hmm. I would redo the Incredible Hulk. Oh, fuck well, yes. Fuck yeah, yeah. of course. My dude. Yeah. Yeah. You got to. Especially because Mark Ruffalo as Hulk in general and, and, and Banner is so fucking absolutely good. perfect. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I tend to like um, Ed Norton in, in all the things. And I, you know, I liked him when the movie came out, but Ruffalo is such a just so much miles better of casting yeah and the the like quiet contemplation and melancholy that he brings to banner yeah i would love to see a remake of the original like intro hulk movie with with that banner yeah Yeah. i think it's just a missing movie you know yeah just didn't get it that's true. <laughs> so I know people consider like the the Incredible Hulk as part of canon in the MCU because there is that that cameo by Thunderbolt Ross and even Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. But for me, I honestly kind of consider what they did with the Hulk is almost a reboot from the Avengers on. Totally. And I know Josh Sweden's name is kind of tainted right now, and there's a lot of shit going on with him, and it's it's probably gonna bite me in the ass for saying so. But I think Josh Sweden is the one guy out of all of the Marvel directors and writers who has actually understood Bruce Banner and the Hulk completely. And I think that that soft reboot they did of the character in the Avengers is easily the best Hulk we've ever mm-hmm. seen committed to film. And I think it probably will be even, yeah, I mean, even from going on from the Avengers, it's still the best iteration of Hulk we've ever seen. Like, yep. I'm not so a great. fan of, and I don't want to go over long in this podcast, but I'm not a fan of the idea of the Hulk and Banner being two separate entities battling for the same space. I've always much, much preferred the idea that Hulk is just Banner and is most primal and just angry and rage-filled. Mm-hmm. And it, it generates more fear of the Hulk within Banner, knowing that that is him. It's not like a like entirely different entity that exists in his head, pops out whenever it wants to. It's like, this is me. Like, this is... Yeah, this, this is, is like the dark side of my Exactly. And, yeah. and Joss Whedon got that. Whereas the... I don't remember who wrote or directed the Incredible Hulk movie, but that guy didn't get it. And no subsequent MCU director or writer has gotten it since. And yeah, but I fully agree. I would love to see a full franchise of the Hulk with Mark Ruffalo with that same mindset of of Banner and and the Hulk being the same person, not separate entities. I hate the fucking split personality thing. I always have, always have. It's not Jekyll Hyde. I mean, like I, I yeah, I like the. It, this is the darkest version of myself. It's more psychologically exactly. interesting. Yeah, it's aspects, facets, facets of a personality, and that's more interesting than Jekyll right. and Hyde, which is what most of what we get. Which you know is okay. It's not bad because I think that's closer to the source material, um, but it's less interesting. It is. Yeah. Alex, hit us with that the one you would remake, and then let's close this out. I don't know. I did. I I remember liking most of the early Marvel movies, and then the one, the first one, I think that I really just disliked was Thor: Dark World. Which I like Thor: Dark World, one, right? but I get it. I know it's yeah. not for everybody. Uh, it's, it's it's got it. Th- what I do think it did well was bridge the comedic gap because you couldn't yep. have really Thor to Ragnarok 
uh, without that bridge. Yeah. But I didn't appreciate the humor in it. I thought it was really misplaced. I thought it was clunky. Mm-hmm. I think the Loki Thor relationship displayed was just kind of like bizarre. I did. They, they didn't handle it well. I don't think. I think yeah. the story was there. The performances were there. Maybe it's like something on the cutting room floor that I just didn't like the editing, perhaps. Maybe. But I, I I loved Ragnarok, and I I thought Thor the first one had uh, had great great moments. Thought it was yeah. a little dull. It was a little flat because it was out in like New Mexico or whatever. And it was early Marvel before they were still kind of fight, finding their feet. And Thor was a tough character to try and tackle in the first place, anyway. Absolutely, so absolutely. And this the set pieces were were bland, and they were supposed to be because that's a good way to highlight the eccentricity of a a character like Thor. As you take him from from uh, one realm into the other, and in Midgard now he's uh, you know he he's this like very strange character, and those are some of the best moments, you know, in the diner scenes, those kind of things. Yeah. But and Cat Dennings uh, kind of playing off of that humor, but that shouldn't be the those shouldn't be the things that I remember from the Thor movie, you know. Yeah, it should be true. something totally separate. Um, and then Dark World, I thought was just like another decline, and there was this valley, and then Ragnarok just blew it out of the water. Oh yeah, Ragnarok is amazing, and I don't think anybody disputes it. It was yeah, Taika Waititi just like nailed it. DT, are you about to say that Ragnarok was not amazing? No, I was actually I, I was actually being rude, and I was going to bring up another <laughs> point because I thought Alex is done talking, and I apologize. Uh, I, I fucking love Thor Ragnarok. My my, I'm just gonna throw this out there because we need to wrap up this episode. And I want to be the <laughs> person who gets the last word. I'm kidding. <laughs> the Iron Man movies suffered a massive valley as well, where the first Iron Man was fantastic. Iron Man 2 is kind of shitty. And I hate Iron Man 3. Uh, Iron Man 3 is the worst. I kind of sure. maybe want to almost change my answer and just say I would like to reboot the Iron Man, the three Iron Man movies and have yeah. them more cohesive and better written and make more sense. The first one's so good, though. The first one's so good. I would, I would be fully on board with a reboot after Iron yes. Man 1. Let's keep the first movie. Let's reboot and remake <laughs> yeah. the second two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I would. I was going to say Iron Man, the first one, is it's in my top three for sure. I, uh, Marvel movies, maybe top two. Yeah, just yeah. so, so good. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can talk about remaking yeah, Marvel movies all the live long day, uh, but pretty soon we've done this before. We're going to have yeah. to just break this into two episodes, I think. Thanks, Rebecca. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much, Rebecca. This is an excellent question that's... Holy shit, it's taken up more than half this podcast now. So, <laughs> guys, we love you guys for sending in these questions because they make for such great conversations and great debates. And so far, none of you have managed to ruin our uh, the, the friendship the three of us have or cause us to quit this podcast. I'm I'm mildly fucking disappointed in you, but you're sending Nobody in great questions anyway. <laughs> has has yet asked about Star Wars. So, which Not I think yet. is buck wild. Yeah. Actually. I know it's coming. I but I I think we'll survive it. I think yeah, the I think Space we'll. Castle will live to sail and sail speed we're sailing another day we're sailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and and i'm gonna when that day comes i i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to play mediator i think i'm gonna just be judge and jury in that, in that episode and just let you guys back and forth you i'll be the judge you guys can be the attorneys you present your case <laughs> when star wars comes up yeah yeah in this essay i hope to convince you that star wars is a good franchise it's coming but uh, in the meantime Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is Space Castle, your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. 
My name is DT. My name is Alex. My name is Seth. Thank you, guys. We love you. We'll catch you again next week. Bye. I love you.